Welcome to episode one of the Reworkflow podcast, Road to Slate Summit. In this episode, we're focusing on presenting, getting into the reasons why you should present, and what are to start when considering presenting at Slate Stage or Slate Summit. I'm Megan Story from Reworkflow, and joining me this week is Trevor Kingsley from Washington State University. Welcome, Trevor. Hi, welcome. Thanks for having me on the show. <laughs> sure. So Trevor, tell us about yourself. Where do you work and what do you do there? Uh, so I work at Washington State University. Um, we have uh, six campuses in our system, including our global campus. And so I work in the international admissions office there, and we actually do admissions for all six of those campuses. And um, specifically what I do is my, my title is uh, Assistant Director of Systems and Operations. But increasingly, that means I just manage our Slate instance or our little corner of our Slate instance and just make sure that Slate is doing all the things that we need it to do so that we can reach out to prospective students, process applications, admit students, and, and get them here. That's awesome. Now, is that one Slate instance across all of those campuses, or is it multiple? So currently it's just one instance and um, our global campus has really been kind of pushing the boundaries for uh, student success within that instance. And we've we've talked a little bit about maybe adding a separate instance, but currently uh, we have undergrad and grad and recruitment and missions and student success all crammed into one instance. That is very impressive. Uh, so how long have you been in Slate? So. Um, WCU signed up with Slate in early 2019, and I was actually able to be on the implementation team with that. So that's, I guess, what is that, about four and a half years now um, mm -hmm. they've been using Slate. That's awesome. And I know the answer to this, but for our audience, have you ever been to Slate Summit? I have, yeah. So 2019 was my first uh, Slate Summit that I got to go to. And um, was so excited and impressed that I signed up early and booked my hotel room for the 2020 summit, which of course was a <laughs> terrible choice to make. And so the university had to eat some money on, on hotels there. But um, I've been able to attend a summit every year um, since 2019 in whatever, whatever form it existed in, except for, for 2020 when we didn't have anything. Mm -hmm. I submitted a proposal to present for the first time for 2020 and it was accepted i was so excited and then womp womp, 2020 <laughs> didn't happen so uh yeah all that year was a, a letdown <laughs> in multiple ways um so yeah and have you presented um as part of slate stage or a slate slate summit so yeah, I've actually been able to present a couple times. Um, so the 2022 summit was my first presentation that I did. Uh, I co-presented with uh, Keith Gallinelli from, at the time he was at Sacred Heart um, University. I think he's now like the director of admissions at the Yale MBA program, I think. Okay. And then I also presented in 2023 uh, with Michael Bendorf uh, from Illinois College. Nice. So multiple years of experience there, uh, a great guest for now. the pod. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that, that's more than I have as a presenter, just one. Uh, so let's start from the beginning here. Before we even get into why to present, 
I, I think the place a lot of people start is why even go or why take the mm -hmm. time to watch the slate stage presentations or take the time and money to go out to summit. I'm, I'm curious what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, for the for the first summit I went to, I was on the implementation team. We were just building out Slate, and so it's like, well, I kind of have to go because you know this is really key to to what we're doing right now. But I remember I felt a little bit of a sticker shock um, when I looked at the cost. Not not that I had to pay for it out of pocket, but still, I have to like submit this request <laughs> up the sure. chain. Um, so coming out of the world of international admissions, uh, NAFSA is the big professional organization. Mm -hmm. for that. And they also have a big annual conference. Um, Attendance-wise, it's a bit bigger than than Slate Summit, but it's like three or four days and about the same price for the conference. And so just saying, okay, yeah, I want, you know, I want the state to pay the same amount for about a day and a half. It's like, whoo, that's, you know, it's kind of a lot to, to ask for. Um, but having gone, I I mean, to be honest, it's still kind of expensive, but um, having gone, I can I can see more of the value. They they do take good care of you um, with just you know the food and events, so you are you are getting what you pay for. But um, with a conference like that, it's a chance to just be inspired by what other schools and what other people are doing um, to see things that maybe have taken them years to develop or get to the point uh, that they're presenting on. But it gives you kind of a vision of of what to work for. Uh, or look forward to. And I'd say, especially for any school that's new in their implementation, it's really good. It can help you kind of see like, well, this is what we can do with Slate, maybe set some priorities and say, we'd like to get this to this point to, to start working towards this and, and be able to have some some goals and a bit of a vision for how you can implement Slate. It's I think it's easy to get in the mindset of saying like, well, this is what we're doing with our you know previous CRM or our student information system. Let's just do a you know copy paste into Slate because it's better somehow, and not realize well it's it's different. It can do different things, and you need to think about you know I, I use the expression put your Slate hat on. It's like what can we mm -hmm. do in Slate? So Summit is a great opportunity um, to do that. Um, but also too, even for people that have been in Slate for a while, it's easy to kind of get into your your lane so to speak of the things that you do all the time and and so for me we don't do a lot with events um, we do international recruiting overseas but usually they're sponsored by some organization or some agency we'll get our, our list of leads from that we're not really hosting the event mm -hmm. and so it's not something i think about that much but being able to see presentations on what people are doing with events, it can kind of, you know, get the wheels turning and think, oh, actually, you know, maybe we could apply this, you know, to to something we're doing over here or expand how we're using it, just because I'm not in that um, every day. And then I also just really enjoy seeing how people solve problems, um, even if the the problem they're solving isn't one that I've faced or, or maybe won't ever face. Just seeing the the process they go through can be really informative and and helpful and, and get some good uh, takeaways from that. Yeah, I'm not like a huge Hamilton fan, but I think there is value in being in the room where it happens, right? And I know um, when I was still with UC Irvine that there was a time um, a few years ago where I was at Summit and I was waiting in line to use the restroom and just struck up a conversation with the person in front of me and um, we got to talking and I was like, ah, she is going to know 
she's going to have ideas to solve this problem that I'm currently trying to solve at work right now. And so just in the few minute conversation that we had waiting to use the restroom, I asked, how do you handle this problem? And she was like, oh, we handle it this way. And it was such a clever, ingenious way. And I don't know that I ever would have come up with that idea on my own or had the opportunity to ask that question and get that answer in, in another setting. Um, so it was nice to just be in a room with a bunch of other people who do things related to what you do, if not the same thing you do, you know? Yeah, and just to be able to yeah make that face-to-face -face connection with people so that you can reach out to them later on Slack or in one of the Facebook groups. And I, we've probably all had vendors contact us or email us, oh yeah, glad to talk to you at that conference. It's like, well, I didn't go to that conference. I'm just gonna delete this. But to actually say, <laughs> oh, I, you know, I was in line at the bathroom and I, you know, I talked to you about this, mm -hmm. or I was in your presentation on XYZ. You know, you can actually connect with people and, and get help and you know inspiration that way. And so that's it's it's hard to do that virtually or just through you know some of these community uh, forums. But yeah, just being there in person is is really valuable for that too. Mm -hmm. I also think you know there's that personal professional development, but then I think there is also a lot that we bring back to our institutions mm -hmm. um, when we go to a. a a conference like this, I think there's that opportunity to bring back ideas, but also to get that documented and, and have that, you know, be available so that um, if I know when I was at UCI, we were really meticulous in our note taking, but that meant that when I left, they still have all my notes from every summit session I attended, every slate stage webinar I attended, um, so that they still have access to that. It's not like going to the conference was just beneficial for me. It was also, mm -hmm. it's still benefiting my old institution. Um, so there, there are opportunities um, in case an institution is saying, "Ugh, why are we spending this money sending Megan this place? Well, it's because ultimately it's not just helping Megan, it's helping the whole institution, hopefully. Yeah, that's a good point. Like Slate is pretty much my job, but there's some some folks in our departmental IT team that, that work in Slate, but they do a ton of other things. And so they probably aren't going to go to, to Summit themselves just because it's a relatively small part of their job. But I can yeah take that knowledge that I've picked up and kind of invest it in them and you know the, the tide that raises all the ships kind of a scenario. Absolutely. So I think we've we've covered why to participate in these events, um, but then the next step is why you know present why share your hard work that you've done for your institution with other people. Hmm. Yeah, I think there's there's probably a, a long list of reasons that people can come up with with why they wouldn't want to present or or why they shouldn't and. Um, Probably one of the main ones is that you know you don't feel like you're enough of an expert to to get up there and, and share. And I think if if someone spent any time in the the forums or the, the groups, there'll be certain names that are recognizable that always know the answers to the questions and, and not in a know it all sense. Are just clearly experts at that area or, or very um, experienced. And you think, oh goodness, I don't know as much as that person, or I, I have so much to learn. Um, but you know, Slate Summit is more than just somebody, you know, reciting knowledge base articles 
from memory and saying, this is how mm -hmm. Slate works. It's really sharing their personal experience, how they've used Slate uh, or implemented it at their institution. And so when you think about just the different types of institutions that are out there, your, your big ones and your small ones, public and private and four years and community colleges and you know, grad schools and your undergrad programs and um, just people who are doing, you know, recruitment focus or maybe on the processing side, student success and advancement. When you start kind of combining all those different factors together, then, you know, it's actually fairly easy to have some, some valuable experience that you can share. And so, you know, if you think like how many people out there really could be presenting on, you know, international admissions at a community college that you know works primarily you know in this you know uh specific geographical area there's not that many people out there that can really speak to that and so the the experience that someone like that might have would be worth sharing and i think people could benefit from that even if they're not in that exact uh situation just still some of those lessons learned could be applicable to to other institutions as well yes i love that i think um it's really easy to feel like oh someone's already had this idea or someone solved this problem before um which sure but they probably didn't solve this problem for an institution like your institution mm -hmm. just like you said and you know there are there are other you know <laughs> small private schools in the upper Midwest that are dealing with, you know, specific things or, um, you know, whatever, that they're going to solve that problem in a different way than, you know, a large state school in on the East Coast would. And so, mm -hmm. um, you know, being able to talk about how you address the problem in your context is going to be meaningful to people. I also think just from a personal and professional development standpoint, actually preparing to teach on something and going through the process of saying, man, I am going to stand up and say, <laughs> I, I have something worth all these people listening to. Um, you're going to prepare and do work that's really going to deepen your knowledge beyond what your understanding of, of a situation is just for your day-to-day -day work. And so I think it is when you, you raise your hand and say, I want to present, you are, you're also signing up to really go deep in an area, which I think is also going to be beneficial for you and your institution. Yeah, it's almost a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy by, you know, agreeing yes. to present, you kind of become more expert in that area just by going through that process. Yes. I also think, and this is like a small side effect, but I know when I presented, I was still at UCI and um, it a little bit felt like I was helping influence the reputation that UCI has with the the people um, at the conference. And also, um, I, when I presented at Summit, also uh, kind of knew that it was, you know, my time at UCI was coming to a close and that I was ready for the next thing. And so I had in the back of my mind, I want um, people to hear from me and think, oh, I would love to be a part of that team. I would like to work mm -hmm. there. 
And so I felt like I got to influence that by talking about what my experience was like there. Um, and the person that they, they ended up hiring um, for the opening that I left at, went to my summit session and had heard from me. So I don't know that, that they would say <laughs> that they did that directly because of my presentation or anything like that. I'm not trying to take credit for anything, but, um, but it felt like, oh, I at least made them think, hey, you know, UCI seems like it could be a good place. Um, and so it felt like I was contributing in, in some small way to, to UCI's reputation. And I thought that was a good thing. Yeah, definitely. I think hopefully all of us will hope that our institutions will grow in our, our use of Slate. You want to be able to, yeah, have, have your name show up, you know, kind of catch people's attention if, if that job posting, you know, goes out. Mm -hmm, absolutely. So you touched a little bit in your response there on that feeling of imposter syndrome. And I'm curious if you have any further thoughts on how to get over that feeling of, oh my goodness, I'm not um, John Michael in the Slack group <laughs> who answers everything or Matt Sheeran or, or um, the others who um, truly are experts and are answering every question. Um, you know, how, how do you uh, get over that and consider presenting? Yeah, it's. I I, I hope in a, in a sense that most people experience imposter syndrome not because it's a great thing to experience, just because like when you're experiencing it, you can't really admit that you're experiencing it. So sure. Feedback <laughs> it, it make it worse. So I, I think it's a common um, human experience, and so I, I there's a few things that I I try to do in my own life to to help with that. I, you know, I don't have like a, a cure-all. If you just do these five steps, you'll never experience this. <laughs> if I did, I would, I would be, I don't know, selling some course on TikTok or something. Um, but the, one of the things that I, I try to do that I guess I would recommend um, other people is just to uh, develop the habit of admitting when you're wrong it's it's one of my pet peeves especially with leadership when somebody will just obviously make a mistake they'll just get something wrong or they'll just make a bad decision but then they'll just move on like nothing ever happened and everyone in the room is like okay but you know that was wrong right but you know nothing mm -hmm. said and so um just you know making the habit of just admitting when you're wrong so that way if nothing else you know that they know that you are wrong and that it just kind of gets it out of the dark and it's not this like shameful thing it's just out there in the open and a lot of times just those things that maybe we're kind of ashamed of or embarrassed that when it just gets said out loud or, or brought into the light it it just kind of loses its power it's not as, as haunting anymore mm -hmm. um and and saying that I, I do realize that people maybe have less supportive work environments um i've been really blessed with a good boss that's you're not going to, you know, chew me out if I admit to making a mistake. Not not everyone can say that. And so, you know, depending on where a person works and, you know, what their situation is, you can, you know, take that with a grain of salt as to how it apply that. But um, just, I guess, just being honest with that, there's less of this false image that you're trying to um, protect or, or worry about. And then another thing, too, is um, I try to have it so that you know, kind of my sense of identity or sense of worth is comes from more than just my job, more than just what I do. Just, you know, a mix of all the different parts of my life. Because, you know, if if who you are is what you do, 
then having a bad day at work can quickly snowball into like an existential crisis because if being good at your job is who you are and you screw up then it's like oh my goodness who am i if i'm not you know good at my job and so trying to just you know have those good healthy relationships and hobbies and interests and you know some quirky genre of music that you like to listen to you know just things like that just <laughs> love it be, yes be well-rounded um and so those are those are things I, I try to do in my own life to to help with that. Um, but actually, at uh, in advance of the 2023 um, slate summit, I actually had a few kind of intense moments of of this imposter syndrome. Um, just just to show that this isn't you know a perfect uh, suggestion to avoid that. But the the presentation I was giving um, with Michael um, was pretty technical. We had um, an alternative way to cloning applications, which is built-in functionality that Slate has. Um, but there's some limitations, and so um, you can pull up the presentation on, um, on on the knowledge base if you want to re uh, view all the details. But basically, we had developed an alternative way to do that, which is pretty complex and involved, and it, it met our needs. But I just had this recurrent thought: oh, I'm going to get up there, I'm going to like finish my part of the presentation, and someone's just going to stand up and say. Why did you do that? Why did you waste your time on that? And I'd just be like my jaw on the floor, be like, well, it seemed like a good idea at the time. And, you, know, you would, you know, laugh at me or something. And so I decided to kind of talk myself through that and realize, like, okay, well, first of all, like this does actually solve a problem. Okay, that's that's true. Um, when I showed it to our, our colleagues in domestic admissions here, they really liked it and they wanted to use it, which was great. I had to rebuild part of the process, which took a lot of time, but got it, got it so they could use it. Um, realized, you know, that when I submitted this as a, a proposal, the folks at Technolutions thought it was a good idea. And mm -hmm. They wanted, you know, wanted us to, to present on it too. And so I had to kind of talk myself, you know, through those steps and realize, okay, this is this is like an irrational fear right here. There's these kind of objective points where I can see like this is. You know, this is worth sharing about. This is a, a good idea. And so in those moments, hopefully, I guess specifically, people are concerned about presenting and having that imposter syndrome there. Try to have some kind of objective checks. So you've, if you talk to other people about this, do they think it's a good idea? And, you know, is it actually, uh, have you gained something valuable from this or, or solved a problem? And and goodness, you know, if Technolutions thinks it's worth presenting on, then it's it's clearly some value there. And so just try to, to lean on those um, objective points and and not um, get too caught up in just that that feeling of, of of being an imposter. But but still, I had to go through that, you know, two or three times um, before a presentation, just to remind myself, like, okay, it's not it's not a terrible idea, you know, it'll be okay. And, and for the record, no one st stood up and said that at the end of the day. So my, my worst fear was not realized. <laughs> I'm, my guess is that the opposite happened and that after the presentation, people were coming up to you telling you how valuable it was. Am I, am I wrong? There, we did get some good feedback. Yeah, I think, nice. you know, some people's eyes might have glassed over a little bit um, as we were working <laughs> through the details. But, but yeah, overall, it was, it was a good positive response and enjoyable. Yeah. My presentation in, in 2022 was on um, building out your Slate network of, of peers and also on building out your Slate documentation. So it was kind of the you know total opposite of what you described as your presentation, where it's very like nitty gritty technical. 
Mine was um, much more, you know, kind of functional documentation sort of stuff and, and, you know, networking with people, things like that. And I remember thinking, oh, is no one going to want to come to this? Because who gets excited about documentation other than me and, and my team at UCI? And, you know, I especially that year, it felt like, oh, everyone wants technical details about portals and, and this isn't that. And, you know, is anyone going to come? And then I will say my presentation the room was maybe like 40% full. And I was like, Oh, geez, my my boss at the time actually purposefully sat somewhere where there was no one in front of her so she could get clear pictures. But it made it seem like I was presenting to an empty room. So if you if you want to see some really humbling pictures of me, it's pictures of her with just rows of empty chairs in front of her and me presenting at summit. Um, but I will say afterwards, I had several people come up to me and say, you know, this was the best presentation I've seen the whole conference. And I actually had this really wonderful experience. Um, I ended up flying home um, later. I, I presented on Friday morning and I, I flew home later that day. And I had a layover in Dallas. And as I was in the Dallas airport, like someone stopped me. Did you present at Slate Summit today? <laughs> it was my favorite presentation. It made me feel famous. Um, <laughs> but it was really reassuring that like, oh, yeah, what I shared was valuable to people, even though I had those doubts or maybe um, the, the title of the presentation didn't pop off the page when people saw it. But the people who attended, um, you know, it was really valuable. And I still um, get emails from people saying, oh, I'm still thinking about that. And so it, it's really nice to to have that experience. Um, you said, you know, not everyone has super supportive supervisors, maybe. And I had an old coworker who would um, talk about uh, this analogy about going where you're valued. And she talked about mm. if you had to be a water bottle, you could be a water bottle that's like a dollar in a vending machine at a gas station, or you could be a dollar that sells for eight, or you can be a water bottle that sells for $8 at Disneyland. Like which water bottle do you want to be? <laughs> and I think there's times where by putting yourself out there, you already know, hey, I'm a water bottle, I'm, I'm providing value, you know, and so yours, you know, you're someone who's working in slate, you're providing that value. And it could be that, you know, right now your team or whatever is a little bit valuing you like a gas station water bottle, <laughs> but you can go and present and hear feedback from your community and know, oh, hey, you know, they are valuing me like a Disneyland $8 water bottle. Um, and I think that can be really motivating and encouraging and, and help you in your professional growth. Um, so yeah, I, I love this discussion. Uh, I found what you said very interesting, um, you know, thinking about how you um, are using these tactics to you know, put yourself out there and, and get over the, that self-doubt we all have. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes too, just, yeah, going through that process of, you know, facing those fears, giving the presentation, coming on the other side, it's like, I could, yeah, I, I did, I did well, I can do that. And you can just, just boost your self-esteem and 
but yeah, as you're talking about the, the audience that reminded me, there's, yeah, kind of that last minute thing too. You see the room you're going to be in and you think like, what if no one shows up? And then, you know, as people start showing up, like, oh, you know, if it's more than you thought, like, oh goodness, so there's so many people here. This is, you know, so, so much pressure, but yeah, the, the folks are always really nice at those. Mm -hmm. and you know what? Usually within a few minutes, if they realize that that's, you know, not something they're interested in, they'll just, you know, go off to somewhere else. And so the folks that are there want to be there and they're, you know, eager to, to hear what, what you have to share. So it's a, yeah, it's a positive experience. Yeah. So how do you take, you know, you, you start with some sort of green of something and it might even just be i would like the experience of presenting as part of slate stage or slate summit how do you take that and turn it into something more how do, and we can start with um how do you turn that into a proposal hmm. so my of the the two presentations i've done i have two pretty different um stories for how those came about so for the first one um my boss strongly recommended that I, I do a proposal. And I'm like, I, yeah, I really don't want to. I've only been to like one of these conferences and like, I really think you should do one. So it's like, okay, well, I've, I, I do have some teaching experience in the past. And so I thought, okay, I know I, I can do this, but goodness, what am I going to present on? So I just tried to rummage around and find something I felt halfway comfortable presenting on. And we had just implemented, I think at the time it was Workflow Editor, uh, which is now just Workflows. Um, we just implemented that and we had moved our processes out of our student information system and into Slate. And I realized that international admissions was a little underrepresented um, at some in some of those communities. And so I thought, well, I guess I'll put in a presentation on that. So I had great ideas and mentioning Ishikawa fishbone diagrams and all this kind of stuff um, for my presentation. And then I get the email notification that's like, oh, yes, you know, your your presentation and your co-presenter, Keith Kalana, you know, your presentation has been accepted. And I'm like, Keith, who now? And so we <laughs> emailed each other. And so we both put in very different um, international related proposals and they, they merged us together. So um, that ended up being a bit, a bit of a mashup of, of international missions um, related things. And so the, the final presentation was just kind of a, a, you know, working through figuring out, okay, what do we have time to cover? What's, you know, kind of the most important thing that you want to talk about, most important thing, and kind of mash those up together. So I still presented on our um, workflow that we had built out, but didn't, didn't get into any Ishikawa fishbone diagrams at all. <laughs> probably for the best. I'm not sure how enticing that would be to, to talk through. Um, the second one was was pretty different. That was the, the more technical one I did with, uh, with Michael Bendorf. And that one, I think maybe I was just so biased by how much time and energy I had put into building out our process that I'm like, I want to tell somebody about this because not a lot of people that I work with could really appreciate like what all happened for that. And I'm like, I want to tell somebody about this that can can actually appreciate it. Um, but also too, it you know it was solving problems and, and meeting a need where there was a bit of a gap with with the delivered functionality. So. Um, that was a little bit more clear cut, I guess, in the sense that we just had this thing that we had done. And so we just talked through how we did it. That was a little bit more clear. Um, I think one of the challenges with that was realizing that it wasn't a one size fits all solution that a lot of institutions, it wouldn't be worth their time to, to develop something that complex is that how do we acknowledge that 
up front, but still present this as being a solution and try to, to walk that line a little bit. So um, it was it was nice to have um, Michael there because he comes from a smaller institution. And so I was able to provide a little bit of perspective on how um, and kind of both not not that WCU is huge, but you know, at larger institutions, mm -hmm. smaller institution, how can still kind of fit that and, and find that balance and so try to provide some perspective um, through the presentation. Um, but yeah, I guess on, on both of those I kind of had a, an idea of what I wanted to share already built out. So once the proposal was accepted, we <laughs> didn't have a lot of time this 2023 year. Um, mm -hmm. so I'll quick turnaround on that. Um, but most of the kind of the, the meat of the presentation um, was was already there at least you know in, in my mind and so it didn't take too long to, to work out the details of, of talking that through. But um, I guess in both presentations is just focusing on just kind of the, the process of either the process of our workflow or the process of building out this process. And so there's a little bit of a it's kind of a linear element to it um, already that I think helped uh, form the presentation. I love that. I when I was thinking about this question uh, before we started recording, mm -hmm. I um, was thinking about I think there's some questions to ask as you're considering developing an idea for uh, even just the beginning of the proposal stage. And I think, um, you know, one of those questions is what problems have you solved recently? And it sounds like that's what you, you know, that was the genesis for your proposals. I think also, and, and this could be for you as well, like what work have you done that you're proud of? Mm -hmm. um, I think people want to hear about that. I also think, um, I, other questions to, to ask and thinking about your ideas is what do you want to learn? Like what questions do you have that aren't being answered out there? Because then if you go figure out an answer for it and can share it, you're, you're probably not alone in having that question and seeing that as a, a gap in our slate knowledge. Um, I will say what the, the question that prompted me to present or feel like I even could propose this idea to present um, was what have you done differently mm. um, over time being in, in user groups, working with consultants, everything. I kept getting feedback from people that what we were doing at UCI in, in grad admissions um, was so different. <laughs> Our process for building in Slate was so different from anyone else. And I was like, oh, well, I think our process is really great. And so that made me want to share it because I was like, hey, if no one else is doing things this way, then maybe this will help people get a perspective. There'll be something to gain in learning about what is apparently our weird, <laughs> unique process. Um, so that was that was the, the seed of, of my presentation proposal. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah. even people from Technolutions were like, what? <laughs> when they heard about our process. So um, that was fun. And it was fun. Um, I had some service desk requests uh, kind of after my proposal had been accepted, but before I did my presentation, where people from Technolutions would be like, what are you doing? Um, so that was fun to, to get to talk to them about that. Um, cause they were like, yeah, I saw this. Yourself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So 
could you tell me about your process for submitting your proposal? I know Technolutions has a form that you, you know, fill out. They put out a call in like November-ish, it seems like every year. Um, and then typically the deadline is later in January. Um, and I, I'm curious, how did you go about like, you know, summing up, making a, a pitch for your presentation? Yeah, that's um, that's good. I um, back in um, or was it? I don't know. Earlier, earlier September, um, twenty twenty three. There was a community conversation about submitting um, proposals, and um, they had mentioned something about you know it was really helpful to include like hyperlinks to things, and I, I had to like slap my forehead. I'm like, oh goodness, like why didn't I think of doing that? I was just trying to. <laughs> type out everything that was going on so I had a bit of an oda moment with that um but i think yeah basically what i tried to do in um at least at least with the the second one i remember that one a little bit more clearly was just trying to establish well what's you know what's the the problem we're trying to solve or what's the the shortcoming and it turned out the maximum number of characters on their form is a little bit short so we had to really compress that down but just trying to explain like why did we even do this in the first place and then how did we approach the situation and and, and what was the result from that um, and then the the takeaway in that sense seemed a little bit more clear it's like well you know people will know what we did and how they could possibly apply that but um, I think just yeah trying to be clear on how whatever it is that you're presenting on is special. Um, that's maybe not the, the best word for it, but what is it about it that you know, maybe fits well with your situation that might be different than how other people have approached this or um, what's the, the specific situation that you had to address um, that you're trying to um, share with people? Kind of what's, you know, what makes it different than those other um, proposals that are that are coming in and then to just be clear on, on what it is that you did and using hyperlinks to things, which would be great. You don't have to spend all that time explaining what you did. You can just link to it. Um, mm -hmm. And then just trying to um, make that clear. And so actually, after watching that community conversation, I felt like I can up my proposal game a lot from there. I, I feel like I um, probably didn't do a very good job um, of submitting proposals um, before. And so I'm mm -hmm. honestly kind of surprised now that those were accepted based on <laughs> how, I, how I drafted that. But um, I guess, what do you call it, the, the value proposition of just making a really clear presentation of, of what, um, how this benefits the, the Slate community and what other people can can gain from this. And so probably involved going back to, you know, some of those reasons why a person should present based on their combination of factors of the type of work that they do, the type of institution, and just make it clear um, the perspective that you have um, as an individual or a group of individuals if you're co-presenting and, and how that can apply to that group of people, um, people in a similar demographic, but also outside of that too, um, I think would be helpful as well. Yeah, I do not remember. I did not keep records or I maybe did, but they they may be somewhere on a server at UCI. <laughs> I did not keep personally records of what I sent in as uh, proposals. And I, I know that when I first started in Slate, 
I had this strategy, which they called out in that community conversation as a thing not to do. Um, but I used to, in my service desk request, in, in community forum posts, and I'm sure in my first summit presentation proposal, um, I tried to be really funny. I thought that was going to be my in and that everyone at Technolutions would be like, oh, that Megan story, she's hilarious. Let's help her with the service desk request or let's accept her proposal. Um, and so then when that got called out as like, don't do this, don't try to be so funny that it gets in the way of what you're actually wanting to present on and, and the specifics of that. I was like, oh, it was probably my 2020. But my 2020 presentation proposal was accepted. So then when I had to put in a proposal again for 2022, I kind of went in with the confidence of like, they already accepted this topic two years ago. Um, and I don't think it's become out of date in that time um, because the need for documentation and, and finding your you know, slate peers to connect with um, is evergreen. So, um, I don't know, that might be a strategy for people if go into it, assuming it's already been accepted, and then you'll have that confidence level that, that might help you uh, write a, a more winning uh, proposal. Um, but yes, don't try to be too funny. And I, every once in a while, someone reaches out and they'll say, oh, I read this community forum post from you from 2018. And I always die a little on the inside because I know that was when I was in my trying really hard to be super funny phase. And it's just embarrassing to think about. <laughs> but we grow. That's the important thing. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, well, that's great. Did you have anything else you wanted to add about thinking about your summit presentation, developing that idea and submitting your proposal? Um. I don't think so. Yeah, I okay. hopefully will have more years of experience to, of trial and error to, to, <laughs> to refine my proposal skills, but I might just gotten lucky the last couple of times. Sure. So to wrap things up, I have some questions that I'm asking all of my guests this mm -hmm. season on the podcast. So the first one is, what is one wish you have for Slate Stage or Slate Summit? Mm -hmm. I think for Slate Summit, I, I wish that it was a little bit longer um, than mm -hmm. it is, and maybe it came from those, you know, NASA conferences I'd go to that were three or four days. But the summit is so just jam-packed, um, full of, of content, and it, it would be nice to just spread that out a little bit. Um, maybe have fewer choices per time slot. So I know there's always like two or three, you know, sessions that I'll favorite on the app, and then it's like. The, the hour of, and it's like, I guess we're going to this one and just have to bail <laughs> and hopefully I'll make a note to get the slides for the other one. So um, yes. there's the opportunity to go to more sessions um, would be nice. Um, and just, yeah, just expand the time, more chances to to connect with people and, you know, meetups or, or I'm not a big party guy, um, but, you know, just more mm -hmm. opportunities to connect with people um, would be nice. Yes, I love that. And are you planning on attending Summit in 2024? I am, yep. I haven't, haven't put in my travel request yet, but planning on going there. <laughs> Great. And what about those people that won't be able to attend Slate Summit this year? Do you have any ideas for them for their own professional development in the mm -hmm. Slate world? 
think one of the, the first things um, would just be to try to get connected on like the Slack uh, group or the Facebook um, groups and just see what other people are doing. Um, I just enjoy watching what people are posting about. Um, sometimes maybe within their question is something cool that they're doing that they're just trying to figure out some aspect of. And so I can get some inspiration from that. And I don't know how many times I've, I've picked up some little tidbit of, of, of coding or approach to a problem that I've just, you know, stolen from somebody else um, who's sharing something they're working on. So definitely staying connected there, even if you're not jumping in and, and solving problems, just seeing what people are doing. Uh, the community conversations are great. Um, they're mostly kind of just like an open um, Q&A session. So if, if you don't have a specific topic um, to ask about, you know, you, you may or may not um, get a lot of takeaway um, from those. There's the, oh, what do they call it? It's like the slate select or something that like they'll have like a, a partner that will present on something. Mm -hmm. I forget the, the, the name for those, but those are good. Those are more um, informative, kind of like a, you know, a summit presentation, but you know, kind of off season. Um, and then of course, yeah, the actual, um, summit presentations are great and even if you don't go they do make the slides available and so i would definitely recommend once those are out um, there should be a public notice that comes out just start clicking through those you know you, you lose something by not being there and hearing someone you know explain it but if nothing else you can get some information you have some names of people you can reach out to and say hey i wasn't able to to make it to your to your session i'm really curious about this you know can you share a little bit more and i you know, ha having had people reach out to me, I'm always happy to to share more. Maybe, you know, just tickles my ego. But like, of course, I love to tell you about <laughs> my presentation. You know, I'll make time for that. Same. Absolutely same. I did my summit presentation for two or three different groups kind of after summit. Not the full presentation, but kind of a variation on it. Um, because, you know, there were people who they went to summit, but some of their coworkers didn't and they wanted the whole group to hear or things like that. Um, and so I, I really enjoyed being able to do that after the fact. Um, so yeah, it was, it was the ego stroke. Um, but it also felt like, Hey, this, this is information that I've already said. I'm, I want to share with the broader community. So I don't think it was a big risk on anyone's part to ask me for that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and so last, this has been so great. And I think people are going to take a, a lot away from this, Trevor. So thanks so much for coming. Um, where can the many, many listeners of this podcast <laughs> connect with you? Um, probably the best place to connect with me would be on Slack. Um, I also am on, on LinkedIn. Um, if, if you connect with me on LinkedIn, I promise I won't blow up your feed. I'm not you know, constantly <laughs> sharing or, or posting. I'm a pretty low risk. Um, contact. Um, I, I am on Facebook, but mostly my wife uses that for reselling. So unless you want to buy, you know, some, some used tennis shoes or something, uh, probably <laughs> try to find me there. Okay, that's great. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Reworkflow podcast, Road to Slate Summit. We're releasing episodes monthly as we prepare for Slate Summit in June. You can contact us at podcast at reworkflow.com or learn more about the services we offer on our website at reworkflow.com.